Father, we come before you uh, right now uh, seeking that uh, type of assurance, um, that blessed assurance uh, that Christ has regarded our helpless estate and has shed his own blood for our souls. And a day is coming when the trump will resound, the trumpet will blow. Um, and I pray that you would uh, capture and captivate our hearts as we hear your word now uh, at this time, and that we could hear from you uh, what your Holy Spirit would say through your scriptures to us today. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> so if you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of Matthew. Uh, we'll finish up our uh, studies in chapter 24 today. We're going to jump around just uh, slightly, and we're focusing on the return of Christ. Uh, Christ is coming back. Jesus is coming back to the earth. And when he does, it will be obvious. It will be awesome. It will be unexpected to many, um, to everyone. Uh, it will be visible, triumphant, personal, and physical. And so we're going to reflect on the return of Christ, the second coming today. And so we're in Matthew 24, uh, verses 27 to 31, and then also the end of the chapter, 36 to 51. And Jesus, notice as, uh, as we read this, that Jesus gives vivid illustrations. He gives vivid illustrations. He ends this chapter with four very clear illustrations. Um, they all have to do with people working or uh, a theme of work and uh, expectations or um, not being, uh, not expecting <laughs> rather. And so we're in, in Matthew 24, uh, starting with verse 27. Uh, we read last week, but uh, we'll pick up there. Looking to the skies, verse 27. For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Verse 36, but concerning that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. For as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day when Noah entered the ark. And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one left. Therefore, stay awake, 
For you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Who then is the faithful and wise servant, whom his master has set over his household, to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will set him over all his possessions. But if that wicked servant says to himself, My master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of, the, of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him, and at an hour he does not know, and will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The word of the Lord for us today, thanks be to God. So, um, I remember in 2011, I, had to, I didn't know, I didn't immediately recall what year it was, but looked this up on um, that famous internet dictionary wikipedia uh you know academics say don't rely on it but uh here here it is nevertheless uh, there's a man named harold camping and he's known for two things uh, for being an american uh, radio broadcaster for a family radio and also for end times predictions that have failed and that's right predictions so harold made many uh predictions that the end of the world was coming and he actually did this in great um, in grand publicity uh, with uh, through his radio broadcasts in particular. He named exact specific dates uh, when he said Christ uh, is returning. And the thing that I remember that's quite vivid about this, I was in a small church um, in, and it was all over the media. And the media kind of began to mock him because this wasn't the first time he made a prediction. Uh, he'd done it time and time again. And when he was wrong, he said, well, let me uh, readjust my prediction that the end of the world is coming. So unbelievers or atheist organizations mocked him and Christian organizations uh, rebuked him as well, if you will, uh, as uh, being presumptuous. And um, actually someone showed him this chapter, uh, verse 36. In particular it says but concerning that day and hour no one knows so Harold what are you doing um, and actually he heard this word he heard it and he uh, confessed that he had no business trying to predict the exact day or hour and he changed his mind um, about that uh, doomsday prediction if you will but camping's not the first one this has happened throughout history um, and uh, I won't um, try to recall too many of them, but um, different religions have predicted the end of the world is here, um, and people have wondered, uh, and people have been led astray by these uh, false end times predictions. But Jesus doesn't want us to be led astray, and he makes it quite clear uh, that when he comes, it will not be a secret coming. Um, 
In fact, in the book of Thessalonians, um, they had thought they'd missed it. They thought the resurrection already happened. Um, and Paul deals a lot with this theme of uh, the second coming. In Greek, it's called parousia, appearing of Christ, the second advent. Um, and Paul gives much assurance to Christians and, and, and a lot of clear teaching in the book of Thessalonians, first and second in particular. Uh, but here in our passage today, we want to see, um, verse 27, that the coming of Christ is obvious. It is obvious. Uh, he told his disciples originally, don't go out into the wilderness if someone says Christ is here. Um, don't run away and think it's in some secret inner room. But it will be obvious like the lightning across the sky from the east to the west. So will be the coming of the Son of Man. And then Jesus gives this vivid, memorable, uh, pro proverbial statement. Wherever the corpse is, there the vultures will gather. Uh, and I don't know about you, um, some people on this call live, uh, well, I, all of us live in the desert in Kuwait, but, but, but in, the, um, in the American deserts here, you know, America's really big. I forget, because I've been in Kuwait for two years, forgot about my country a little bit. Um, I'm in Texas. Everything's bigger in Texas, they say. Don't mess with Texas. Uh, and there's, there's, I mean, you just look, the, the sky is vast, the, 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 um, the clouds. And you can see vultures. Uh, you can see um, all kinds of things in the distance. And then you know the vultures are hovering. They're about to have a meal. Um, and so Jesus, his point is this. His coming is obvious. His coming will be obvious. And so in verses 29 to 31, I want you to see something that's quite astounding. He says, every eye, and this parallels the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation talks about these same things as well. Um, but it's a, a bit, and I've tried to convey this a couple times, it's a bit difficult to understand the chronology of these events. Um, is Jesus talking about the year 70 AD or something nearer? Or is he talking about the end and end of the age? And something I tried to convey this past week in the devotional is that a lot of these signs, uh, wars, um, rumors of wars, famine, earthquakes, these are <clears throat> not signs of the end, but birth pains, the beginning of the end. And so this is like an inter-advent uh, experience. Uh, and, and so we've always had wars, famines, earthquakes, rumors of wars from the time of, you know, even before Jesus came the first time. These things will increase until his second coming. And uh, so he says the word immediately in verse 29. And, it, and it's kind of like, wait, what do you mean immediately? Like, when is that? Uh, and it is like the mountain thing again. Um, like last week, the illustration, there, there are near events and there are far events, but they look like they are immediately, you know, you see this mountain and look immediately behind it. Um, but Jesus is saying there is, whether it is physical darkness or a figurative darkness on the earth, um, I don't know. Uh, a lot of theologians don't know as well. They'll talk a lot about it. You know, it could be this, it could be that. Um, but the but the thing that we do know that is clear is Jesus is coming back. And so he says there's going to be a time of darkness. 
the, the elements of the earth will be affected. The sun and the universe, the sun, the moon, the stars will fall from heaven, verse 29. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. So there's a cosmic preparation for his return. And we saw this in chapter 1 as well. When he came the first time, there was the star of Bethlehem. Wow. Um, this is a special moment in history. The incarnation, the you know Christmas, the first one, was a special moment and that the universe was attuned to this. And everything is preparing for this coming back of the Son of Man, of Christ. Um, and then it says in verse 30 that when he appears, uh, there will be the sign of the Son of Man. And what is the sign of the Son of Man? I take it to be the sign of the Son of Man returning is the Son of Man returning. Um, it's like he's here. And I don't know, uh, this week I was kind of like living um, the apocalypse. I was walking down through the mall and uh, imagining the Gucci store just like melting and the, the sky like just opening up. And I'm like, wow, like lightning from east to west. And I don't know what it's going to be like, but I'm going to be speechless. Like I just, the, the book of Revelation says, every eye will see him. And it's, Jesus says that here. And that's the first thing to emphasize uh, in verse uh, 30. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. The Apostle Paul says, with blazing fire and his powerful angels. Wow, wow. And so I was imagining this happening. See him. The first, first thing is see. And then the second thing is hear. Um, every ear will be attuned to this. In verse 31, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. Loud trumpet. And so... Uh, I don't know. If you could miss it with your eyes, you won't miss it with your ears. And so when Jesus comes back, it will be obvious. I mean, this is like bigger than the most viral video on YouTube. I mean, nothing compares to the coming of the Son of Man. It will be obvious. It will be awesome. This is called the great and terrible day of the Lord. Uh, Joel 2, uh, we'll call it. And so for those who are prepared, it will be an exciting day, a triumphant day. He's here. He's here. Um, and for those who are unprepared, who are careless, who are uncaring, they will be shocked and terrified. Um, and the Bible makes this very clear about the coming judgment and the coming uh, vindication of the king. And so we see here at the end of the chapter, Jesus wants to um, almost cement in our uh, understanding um, uh, through four illustrations. So the first one is of Noah and the flood in his day. And we see this in verses 36 to verse uh, 39. Next, we see two men and then two women, two men in the field. Uh, and two women grinding at the mill, verses 40 and 41. Third, we, um, and, and his application in verse 30, uh, 42, sorry. Then he talks about a thief coming at an unexpected time, uh, 43 to 44. And finally, um, he has this parable-like teaching using um, 
the faithful and wise servant. Um, and so we'll talk about these four illustrations. So Noah and the flood, what was the life, what was life like back then? Well, uh, we see that here. Um, <laughs> I should say this first. Let me say this first. I, I don't want to just skip over this. Um, verse 36, uh, when, when it says, Concerning that day or the hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Jesus says here that God the Father only knows um, the day and the hour, the exact time. Uh, I don't know what to do with that. Um, I've read with the, I've read about that, but Jesus as the divine Son of God, He knows everything. But Jesus as um, f uh, truly man, uh, He doesn't know. And so I don't know what to do with that. Um, if if you want to have a discussion about it, or you know, Abiel studied better or be a better theologian, I don't know. Um, I'm learning. I'm growing myself. Uh, but in some uh, sense. Jesus says he doesn't know the exact hour of his return. But he gives the illustration of Noah. Noah, um, when he came, uh, before the, when he lived, the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, going about normal everyday life. And Noah built a massive boat in the middle of the desert. And so... Verse 39, uh, it's kind of Jesus preaching to unbelievers or rather applying the, the, the situation that happened in Noah's day to unbelievers. And he says here in verse 39, And they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away. They were unaware. Um, and that's true of many people in our world today. They're just completely unaware. So will be. It will be the same way when the, when the, at the coming of the Son of Man. So, um, so we'll see here in these four illustrations that Jesus is making this point. Um, the point of Jesus' many illustrations on unexpectedness is to rouse unbelievers uh, and, and believers to expectancy. So he wants every human who's alive and breathing to just be attuned and be expecting his return instead of um, like, like these unbelievers here, unaware of his return. And so Jesus uses vivid language and we see this. He says, stay awake and be ready. And put differently, we'll see this in the last illustration, be wise, be wise. So who is the faithful and wise servant? So these are not just attitudes of expectancy. These are actually living lives that have actions of expectancy. So we are to wait expectantly, even as we work expectantly. So that's the real connection. Jesus doesn't want us just to say, okay, he's coming back. I'm going to wait for him. Like uh, you're at the train station with your ticket. It's just sitting there. No, we need to be about his kingdom business and about his kingdom call and kingdom mission, the Great Commission. So Noah, he's an example for us. He's one who waited expectantly, but then he worked and worked and worked expectantly for 120 years, the scriptures tell us. He had attitude and action. Essentially, Noah said, judgment is coming. I believe God's word. 
I better do what he says. I better get to work. Now, this isn't a works righteousness, but this is obedience, um, obedience uh, from our understanding of the gospel. Um, and Paul, in his letters, uh, Romans in particular, he talked about the obedience of faith. And obedience shows evidence of true faith. And, um, and so we have another illustration here. Two men and two women. Uh, the men are in the field. The women are at the mill. And this is very um, striking when we think about it. Uh, you know, both of the men are in the field. Both are working, verse 40. And one is taken and one is left. Well, well, why is the one taken? Why is the other one left? Like, what's the difference? I think one application for us is, you know, in this world, before the return of Christ, I go to work, you go to work, and we work besides people, and we all do similar tasks. We all do the same thing. But those who are uh, in context, those who are expecting the return of Christ, will be... Um, uh, safe, if you will, and those who are not expecting or not aware of Christ uh, will not be safe. He says the same thing with the two women. Uh, one is grinding, the other is grinding, but one is taken and one is left. So people, uh, one theologian put it this way, people who seem so similar at work will be shown dramatically dissimilar at the judgment. So in this world, side by side, but before the throne of Christ, whoa, um, shown to be completely different. The third illustration, the thief. Um, you know, the thief comes in the night, and Jesus makes these uh, applications within he, these illustrations. So verse 42, he says, therefore, you know, you, you remember Noah and the people working, in the field and mill, stay awake, for you do not know at what day your Lord is coming. And he goes immediately into this thief. If you knew a thief was coming into your house, and we have all this technology today, right? Um, we can get, I mean, I'm learning, uh, coming here back to the U.S., I'm learning you can get these smart plugs and like use your phone and turn on lamps. And um, they have, you probably have some of these things in your house. Uh, like cameras that hook up to your Wi-Fi and if motion detector detection. But if you knew a thief was coming into uh, Mabula block, I don't know, um, James Salmia, yeah, James, <laughs> a thief is coming to your house in Salmia tonight, and um, his name is Chris. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, a thief is coming. You would be prepared, and that's Jesus' point. Stay awake, James. Don't go to sleep tonight. Um, stay awake. You would not let this thief break into your house. You would get him before he gets you. Um, you would set up a trap or call the authorities. Uh, I don't know what you do in Kuwait, but in, in, don't mess with people in Texas <laughs> um, here because uh, they'll get you themselves. Um, no offense to anyone. Uh, so therefore, Jesus' application, if the thief's coming, be ready. For the Son of Man is coming in an hour you do not expect. He's coming in an hour you do not expect. So, if you knew he's coming, you'd be ready. You'd stay awake. You'd do something. Finally, we have the wise servant. And Jesus talked about this throughout his teaching. 
um, the end of the Sermon on the Mount, the one who is wise built his house on Jesus' teaching. And he didn't just hear it, but he put it into practice. Otherwise, he's foolish. Um, but here, Jesus doesn't say uh, the opposite of the wise servant is a foolish servant. He says the opposite of the wise servant is a wicked servant. And we'll see that here at the end. So this illustration, uh, let's look at it in verse 45 again. Who then is the faithful and wise servant whom his master has set over his household to give them their food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master will find so doing when he comes. Doing, again, uh, to differentiate between a faithful servant and an unfaithful servant, we look at the actions of the servant. And so today, people are so busy, um, we're too busy to listen, too busy to think, too busy entertaining or vacationing or, uh, I don't know, eating or Netflixing um, preachers who proclaim that Christ is coming, judgment is coming, repent, change your ways, believe, turn to Christ. Uh, they're often seen to be crazy or just irrelevant or, I mean, you know, as crazy as an old man building a boat in the middle of the desert like Noah. So this last illustration is, is kind of striking because this uh, wicked servant actually listens, um, in a sense. So verse 48, but if that wicked servant says to himself, my master is delayed and begins to beat his fellow servants and eats and drinks with drunkards, the master of the servant will come on a day when he does not expect him and an hour he does not know and will cut him in pieces and put him, in the, put him with the hypocrites. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So I say this last uh, illustration, the servant um, seems to be like in the church. He says, my master, uh, my master is delayed. And so he, uh, he knows he's going to return, but he says, he's delayed. So he listened. Oh, he's coming back. He's not gone forever. But uh, his, his actions, what does he do? He does not do righteousness. He is harsh. He's godless. Uh, he he um, believes in what uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer called cheap grace. Uh, he thinks that God is not looking at him and that Jesus is coming uh, you know, that Jesus is, is coming, but coming later, or rather, he is not coming uh, when he is sinning. So he has time to change later. And so this is really striking. Um, one person put it this way, out of sight, out of mind. You know, Jesus isn't here on the earth. He's not sitting on the throne on the earth. Uh, he's out of my mind. Um, another person, or the, the same person put it this way, a distant Lord is no longer Lord. Wow, um, that is not a way to live uh, the Christian life. And so this last illustration, this wicked servant, he seems to be uh, someone that would be like inside the church, someone who professes, you know, he is my master, but he's actually his own master. You know, he's the master of his own fate, the captain of his own soul. Ah, 
you know, that poem. So he is acting lawlessly. Um, the you know, theological term antinomian uh, just means against the law. There's no laws. Um, I can live however I want. Loose living, lawlessness. So with a flood illustration, again, it seems like that's for unbelievers. They're unaware. But this wicked servant, his name's a servant. Um, so those who profess but their lives don't bear the fruit of following Christ. So the message for us, and this is convicting for us in the church, is don't be caught unaware. Um, and this is the same message for those outside of the church. Don't be caught unaware. Indifference is damnable. It's a damnable offense. And Jesus is coming back. So we need to repent. And the Christian life is one of ongoing repentance. It's a turn, denying self and embracing Christ and God's grace in the gospel. So repent and believe. So Jesus is trying to arouse people in the church, outside the church, with these vivid illustrations. It's a loud wake-up call because a loud wake-up call is coming. Uh, one day when he comes, every eye will see him. And uh, it will be, it'll be astonishing. Um, every eye will see him and it will be loud. The coming of the Son of Man will be loud. Jesus is the judge, and this is not a message that we hear much. Um, he's a judge, and, and verse 51 is, is like, how, how could Jesus be saying this? I mean, it says he will cut him in pieces and put him with the hypocrites. Um, the hypocrites remind me of the religious leaders back in chapter 23 with all the kingdom woes. Um, but Jesus will use the sword. Um, the scriptures tell us he has a, a rod of iron. And his second coming will be very different than his first coming. When he came the first time as a baby, it was in obscurity. Um, you know, the kings of the earth didn't know about it. Very few people knew about it, just the humble shepherds. And, you know, the, there was an, a glorious angel choir, right, that they, they spoke glory to God in the highest on earth peace on those who, with whom God is well pleased. But uh, when he comes the second time, it will be like blazing fire, horse, uh, rod of iron. Uh, he will come as a warrior king uh, to do justice, to do good, to, do, to, kill right, to kill unrighteousness, to get rid of evil. And we don't like to think of Jesus and, and putting to death in the same sentence. So I say all this to say that in our modern church that the theme of judgment has been tremendously neglected. Maybe it's the most neglected theme of the Bible. I don't know. But 1 Peter 4, 17 says, Judgment begins with the household of God. And, uh, and so, where is Jesus going? Uh, we're almost done with the Gospel of Matthew. Um, next week we'll be in, in chapter 25. There are three parables here. And uh, these parables are, um, are warnings. Uh, these are the wake-up call that Jesus has. And Jesus is going to do something so shocking in chapter 26 and 27. He is going to the cross, and he is going to bear the judgment of God on the cross on our behalf. But before he does that, he's going to judge the world and the church or the religious leaders. 
And he's done that in chapter 23, 24, and 25. And so there is warning, warning, warning that he will go and bear our sin, that we might be with him, and God will be our God, and we will be his people. And so the end of the Bible ends with this prayer, come, Lord Jesus, and he's coming. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you that you tell us the truth in your word. Uh, we live in confusing times. Uh, we live in chaotic times. But your word is true, and you are a rock for your people. And we thank you for the promises of your word. Every promise is true, and we thank you that you're returning, that you're coming back, Lord, that you're seated on the throne now, making uh, intercession for your people. And one day you will uh, stand up from the throne, and you will blaze to the earth, uh, and it will be the return of the king. Lord, help us to stay awake. Lord, help us to not be busy about things that are not important, but to be busy about obeying your word, um, to make disciples and um, to bear witness of, of Christ. Um, Father, would you, um, would you, we pray for the lost um, that are unaware, uh, that are uh, distracted by many things. We pray that you would reach people through us um, we thank you for this uh, wake-up call and this warning before um, it is too late. And we look to you, Lord Jesus, and we uh, ask for your help uh, for the rest of our lives to be alert and not fall asleep in the faith. In Jesus' name, amen.